me and my friend Corbin talking about our SIRS slash mold illness journey. That is today's show. If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light. Hello and welcome to the Lotox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 303. And I have a new friend I made online through our mutual experience with mold, Corbin Halliday, joining me on the show. Now, Corbin was a very successful young hairdresser in Tassie uh, with an A-list clientele uh, and literally books full all the time started becoming unwell and uh, he was diagnosed four years later. That's how long it took him um, with SIRS, chronic inflammatory response syndrome. Now, this is also known as mold illness, uh, but I'm going to put in the show notes the link, or you could just Google it, so you think you've got mold low-tox life, if you put all of that in your um, internet search bar, the post will come up where I have listed all of the past shows, all of the past podcasts, everything that helps you if you think mold is an issue for you. It's all there in that one um, uh, blog post. So, I'm going to put that in today's show notes over at lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast. But uh, you can also Google it, as I said, and I'm putting that there because a lot of people hear one of the mold shows and then think, oh my gosh, I think this is me. Where can I turn to for support now? So that is all there in the show notes for you in terms of details. Um, And Corbin really didn't have much support until he got that diagnosis. He was in hospital in and out, blood pressure skyrocketing, uh, really close to a stroke. Uh, and finally found Dr. Sandeep Gupta. So I've had Sandeep on the show twice talking about mold and its effects on on certain people. Uh, And I'm so, so glad he found them. So I wanted to invite Corbin on the show to do a really candid conversation, just kind of exchanging both of our experiences, our stories around what it felt like to not know what we had uh, through to diagnosis, through to different ways that mold affected us because we both had slightly different symptoms, as well as talking about the psychological implication of a chronic illness that is very misunderstood, little understood, uh, and weird often to our family members, to friends, uh, because it doesn't have a traditional, culturally accepted bad disease name. Uh, and so we talk about that as well as the financial implications and stress because you often have to fund all of your therapeutics yourself and your investigations. So we're, I'm going to hook into that conversation in just a little minute, uh, but I want to remind you of the wonderful offers that we have from our sponsors so that you take these up and support great low-tox businesses. Uh, we have our major sponsor for the year, Oz Climate. 
uh, being the height of spring right now, if you're affected by pollens or you have allergies at all, uh, this could be the time for you to explore a Winix air purifier. They have a truly comprehensive range of four and five stage purification, including hospital grade true HEPA filtration. So if you have someone in the family with asthma, severe respiratory issues, this is an absolute godsend of an appliance. And I urge you to check out their website, ozclimate.com.au, and you have 10% off with the code LOTOXLIFE for all of 2022. Uh, now I have the wonderful Block Blue Light back with us, giving you 15% off their range. Lotox Life 15 is your code for this one. And today I just wanted to talk about one of the products that's a bit newer in the range, the BioLite Full Spectrum Light. Uh, now this is a pretty nifty light in that you actually have this amazing technology whereby it's a day to night full spectrum light bulb. What does that mean? It means that you can actually, uh, uh, flick the switch on to move through the different amounts of blue light that are appropriate to day, afternoon, and evening, nighttime, where you don't want any blue light exposure. It's an amazing light bulb, and you can fit it uh, into most standard light bulb fixtures, lamps, etc. Uh, and I just think it's pretty incredible that you can go full spectrum day mode, mixed mode, which provides a warm, low blue light option, which replicates the same light during sunrise, sunset kind of timing. And then the night mode, which is 100% no blue light, sleep friendly, lets your beautiful melatonin levels rise as they should to get you feeling nice and sleepy and have a better night's sleep. Uh, so if you want to check out that light bulb and all of their fantastic blue light products, uh, head to Block Blue Light and use that code LOTOXLIFE15 for your 15% off site-wide. Uh, and if you're listening to this live, we have a giveaway running this week uh, where you can win six of my favorite light bulbs of theirs, the Sweet Dreams light bulbs. We have these in all of our lamps, bedside reading lamps, living room lamps, and we just keep this beautiful honey tone that is free from blue light. Uh, and uh, and I just love it. So you can win six for your whole household to be sorted, uh, and you can see those um, that giveaway detail over on both our Instagram and Block Blue Lights Instagram. Now I want to mention for our international listeners that you actually have free shipping internationally when you spend over $120 as well. So this is not just an Aussie offer. And lastly, I just wanted to give a great plug to my friends at Peak Chocolate. I discovered Peak Chocolate, a fantastic Australian family business, producing really good quality performance chocolate. Now, what does that mean? It means it's chocolate with benefits and with no sugar. So if you're diabetic or if you're watching your glucose levels, uh, it's a fantastic range for that. But it's also great for various things like one that is um, more of an energy focus. And so you have supplementation and ingredients that are focused on giving you an energy boost. You have the focus one, which is my favorite, which has things like L-tyrosine in it uh, to help you focus 
and be clearer of thought. And then you have the gorgeous rest chocolate, which is a little bit on the sweeter side. Uh, and it's one or two squares, even three in the evening. And half an hour later, you are desperate to go to sleep with a little bit of tryptophan and magnesium in there as well. So to discover that range, uh, head to their website, peakchocolate.com.au, and that's P-E-A-K. Uh, and Lotox 20 gives you 20% off your first order. So make sure you try something from all the different things in the range uh, so you can see what your favorite might be. But if you want my pick, it's definitely Focus. That's where I um, replenish my supplies again and again. That's all I have to share for now. Uh, thank you so much to our wonderful sponsors and thank you so much to Corbin for joining me for this candid conversation, uh, for something that is very, very close to my heart, uh, and puts a lot of people through a lot with not much support so that we can have this conversation and light a path for people, uh, wanting to explore this subject, uh, is brilliant. Um, and Corbin has a fantastic Lotox business, actually, Three Warriors, that you might want to check out. They've got a really great self-tan. So thought I'd just mention that too. Uh, and I've popped those details if you want to check that out in the show notes as well. Enjoy the show. Corbin, I am so happy to have you on here. I think in this conversation today, we are going to be speaking to a lot of people who maybe are in their darkest pit of a moment with chronic illness. Maybe they're coming out. Maybe they're seeking that 20%, you know, that that's left to get better. Um, and, uh, and I think in this really open conversation about both our journeys, uh, experiencing SIRS and uh, all the frustrations, all of the financial um, hits that you take trying to get better uh, on your own dime and so much more, it's really going to help people understand just how bad this problem is for the people who undergo it. Uh, and I want to ask you first, because for me, when it when the shit hit the fan and I spent the first six months having absolutely no idea what was wrong with me until finally got an inkling of mould and then finally this retrospective truth unfolded that just made a heck of a lot of sense, Um did you have an experience where once you realised you were affected by mould and this was the cause of so many issues, did you start to look back and notice anything yourself? I think it'd be really interesting for both of us to share that. Yeah, I think um, first thanks for having me, Alex. I'm really excited to be oh, able to welcome. talk with you. I absolutely love your books. Congratulations. Um, yeah, look, I think I... Look, it took me four years to get a diagnosis. I'm not sure how long it took. Like, like you know, it takes a lot of people, a lot of different times, some people still don't know about it, which is quite scary. So um, when I did get the diagnosis from it, I was, like, so happy but also, like, so emotional because I was, like, an answer. Finally got an answer. Like, you know, I, I went through. It's so true. For years I had um, resistant weight loss, for example, and, uh, and brain fog and like just a few things that everybody chalked up to you run a business you've got a toddler you know those sorts of things and that that went on for years and it actually for me wasn't until I had an operation which ironically I did not need 
in retrospect because the reason I had leaky tear ducts was because I was so inflamed, not because I just had leaky tear ducts and they needed operating. But the anaesthetic from that was what set off the full-blown inflammation cascade. It's like my body just was so inflamed already and then that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Did you have a straw that broke the camel's back moment yourself? Yeah, so basically I... um. Yeah, I worked in the beauty industry for 10 years as a hairdresser. So I was exposed to, um, you know, hair chemicals all the time. So I I went, just suddenly went on the decline. That's happened with me. And um, it wasn't until I nearly passed out one day um, and I had I was so dizzy I couldn't even stand up. And I had this, like, intense chronic migraines, which I still suffer from them from this day. It's been 10 years, you know, I'm still suffering from them. They're nowhere near as bad, so I don't complain about it anymore but I had them daily. Um, and if you can imagine one of the most hectic migraines or pressure in the back of your head, um, just consistently nothing you can do to get rid of it, that's what I had. And it was to the point when I nearly screamed one day, it was so bad, and they rushed me to hospital. I remember being at work doing someone's hair and just collapsing and screaming. And they put me into the emergency and they just were just like, wow, your blood pressure is 200 over 110. Like I've never seen blood pressure so high in someone that's, you know, I was 24 years old at the time. I was super healthy. I thought I was anyway. Um, and that for me was the moment to say, okay, something's seriously really wrong with me. And, um, you know, I spent four years back and forth around Australia to every specialist you can imagine that you've probably done as well, trying to get an answer because you don't, don't just get a blood test from a routine, like from a doctor and they say, oh, you've got, chronic inflammatory response syndrome from black mold. <laughs> no. God, show I wish up. we did. I if, wish if only. If only. Um, so, yeah. So, I spent... so did you go to a GP first? Oh, I went to multiple GPs. And where yeah. did they send you? Because for me it um, was it was starting the specialist route. Yeah. And, like, you know, just check because it was a multi-system thing. I had massive heart palpitations and ectopic beats. So there was a whole cardiology thing. Then there was the twitching and the tremors and the yeah. electric shock. So it was neurological. Yeah, oh, I love that one. I remember that one too. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so you start down the specialty route, but none of these people are unfortunately talking to each other and none of them can look outside the box. I remember saying I, I noticed that if I take alpha-lipoic acid and vitamin E, it's less bad. Can you, like, shed any light on that? And got a flat, I can't speak to that. And that for me, that's not that's a bad doctor. That's a bad system. Yeah, shocking. Right? It's funny you say that, Alex, because I went through the GPs first. I think I had four or five different GPs at the time I went through. And um, because I was quite a well-known hairdresser in Tasmania, did quite a lot of, um, you know, surgeons, wives and kind of hair. So they put me straight through all the specialists as well, quite new about most of them. And everyone was really concerned because they'd, they'd watched me just go downhill over the months. Um, and they obviously couldn't do the hair anymore, so they were devastated. <laughs> so they were, like, trying to figure out what was wrong with me. So I went through, you know, cardiologist, um, neurosurgeon. I went through every every test possible. I've had that many scans. It's scary. Mm, um, and they actually were convinced that I had theochromatosis tumours in my adrenal, um, in my uh, kidneys, which acts very similar to the symptoms that I had because... I had chronic um, nerve pain down my arms and my legs. It was like ice pick and it was awful. I had chronic migraines. I had dizzy spells. Um, it's similar thing to you, really like, I guess, puffy eyes and tear ducts, watering eyes. I had the same thing at the zaps throughout the body and um, really bad anxiety, which I'd never experienced in my same. entire life before. 
to oh the point gosh. where I was like, I don't want to do this anymore after yeah. four years, which yeah. is really scary. And my family were just like, oh, my God. Yeah, um, I remember, okay, I'm going to share one there. I remember coming home from a holiday overseas where I felt great. Oh, this was like, you know, retrospectively, you're like, away oh, from the, the holidays, you feel great. Came back, it was a really wet winter and our apartment had been shut up for 10 days as well just to put the icing on the cake. So nice. who knows what the around. spore level <laughs> would have been coming back into that apartment. But I had depression within... 30 minutes. I've never had depression. I've never experienced that challenge and gratefully so, and haven't since. Um, well, actually I have twice in two dodgy buildings, but because I know what it is now, it's far less scary. But when you don't know what something is, that's the scary part, right? And I I remember being huddled on this couch, depressed, and just having come home to my beautiful baby boy, like that's, for me, I was just busting to see him and to feel sad in that moment and unable to function was just soul destroying. It really was yeah. so dark. Yeah. So I'm, I've always been quite a bubbly, happy mm. person as well. And everyone was just like, what is wrong with me? Like what is wrong with Corbin? I think another thing for me was um, a lot of the specialists got to a point where they did all the tests possible and some of the ones they wouldn't normally do as well on a normal patient, a normal person that was sick. Um, and some of, some of the specialists told me that I need to see a psychologist. Mm. Yeah, so, I got so, sleep psychologist. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Right. So mm. I got, yeah, because I was like, okay, cool. So I went and did it because I was like, I, I knew mentally nothing was wrong with me. The fact is I, I was experiencing these hectic, like, symptoms daily that I had to try and get my body through, like, for the whole day. I'm like, what's going to wake up tomorrow? How am I going to feel tomorrow? Am I going to wake up with struggle in the morning with nerve pain on my arms and my legs and I can't take a neurofin or a Panadol or anything that's going to help it. I've got to actually just kind of breathe through and deal with it. So all these specialists that in the end didn't want to see me anymore, when I got the diagnosis, I actually, um, which was mycotoxin poisoning, I had two of the highest levels of um, black mould in my system that the Dr. Gupta had ever seen. Um, and I had um, chronic inflammatory response syndrome, which I was diagnosed with because I was living in this, um, mouldy apartment um, for six years beforehand, rental in Hobart. Yeah. And, oh, um, gosh, a similar yeah. time for, as me. Yeah. 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 Mm. So I think for me, um, when I got the diagnosis, I actually got the piece of paper and went to every specialist that I had been to and put it on their desk and said, this is my, here you go. And most of them were like just gobsmacked. They're like, I've never heard of this before. I'm going to do some research. I'm like, do your research into it because you made me feel like something was wrong with me mentally. And that, I, went to, I went to a psychologist and she was like, darling, you're like, she was like, she was so lovely. She was like, you're really unwell. I was like, what, am I mentally unwell? And she's like, no, no, there's something physically wrong with your body. You need to keep going until you get an answer. And it was the best thing for me. I kind of got up and was like, oh, okay, right, good. I'm not just, it's not just all in my head, these things are happening. She's like, you keep going until you get an answer. And that's what I did. Yeah. Oh, same. Um, can you roughly uh, share how much it cost you to get to that point? Yep. I'll, uh, I'll do the same. I spent about $47,000 to date on treatment treatment and diagnosis. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're similar, about 60 yeah. grand. Yeah, it's um, absolutely ridiculous, to be mm. honest. I mean, you'd spend your whole life savings, everything you possibly got to get better. When, health, when you get sick, everything comes into question and, you know, you want to get better. But, like, the fact that our healthcare system here is just, like, so behind when it comes to these chronic illnesses. 
Um, yeah. And then the moving and the replacing oh furniture. Oh, my God. You, mm. can't, you have to just leave everything behind. That's the thing because you're so happy. I think as well, obviously, you know, Alex, after when you're in this chronic inflammatory response state in your body, you're so hypersensitive to like the, even the smallest spore, you know, the one thing you react and your body goes into this chronic. Tailspin. Yeah, tailspin. And it's like you, the thing is about me is you can look fine when you're when you're suffering from this illness and people, I mean, obviously your eyes and whatever, but people, for me, obviously that's why I'm in tan because it makes you look good. <laughs> it, gives you, it gives you a glow. Um, so you can hide behind this, behind this fake tan. Mm. But, um, but internally you are just like shriveling up and feel like you're dying. Yeah. And to be fair, uh, you know, thinking about it, that's where chronic illness and men- mental illness intersect. So many people don't look so bad that they're they're like, oh gosh, you know, you need saving. It's um, and there's almost a frustration that I remember at one point wishing I had some sort of illness that had a, a name, so that everybody could actually care about it, because just explaining how shit you feel and how bad it is. People don't really know what to do with that. And I'm going to ask you, you might not want to answer this. I'll answer it um, though as well. How did your friends and family cope with the not well, Corbin, and the not well and we don't know how long you're not going to be well for? This is a a great question. My mum, because we lost my dad um, when I was 10 in a boating accident, he was a fisherman. So my mum is like mum and dad, right? And she's like this little pocket rocket lady and she's so tough, my mum. And she's she was really, really supportive. She was like, right, I'm going to get up, I'm going to go for a walk and exercise. You know, she's all about exercising. And I, I've been going to the gym the whole time through, like the whole time being sick because I feel like it's really important, obviously, to sweat and move and, you know, be in the gym with this chronic migraine but still try and Me too, get, with get, tennis. Get sweat up. Yeah, it yeah. Literally, so and because I love it so much, it actually was one of the things that kept me going. Yeah, that mentally and also physically, obviously, it's really good for your body to be doing that. But um, so my mum and my sister were really supportive. My brother, not so much, doesn't understand it because he, he doesn't experience it. He's never had a headache before. So he wouldn't understand what it feels like. Um, my partner, who I met through the worst time of my chronic like diagnosis there was Tristan. He's actually a nurse and he did not cope at all. The first couple of months, I was bedridden, like really unwell. And he just couldn't understand it because, you know, he's, he's, he's like, this is the medicine I've been taught. And you're, that what you have is not because he, he try to get an answer. That's what he tried to do. So when I finally got the diagnosis, he was just like so intrigued about doing research into it and amazed and also discussed in the healthcare system that we haven't been educated, haven't been educated in it. Um, I lost heaps of friends, Alex, a lot, to be honest. They're only starting to come back to me now. They're trying to now. Um, now you've got a business, you know, people want to be friends with you and you're feeling a bit better. But, um, no, I lost heaps and heaps of friends that I thought it was all in my head because, as I say, I looked fine but to look at me on the outside, but the inside I didn't see what I was suffering with. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm taking eight milligrams of perindopil. I've been taking it since I was 24. It's like the highest, one of the highest doses of blood pressure medication. Like I had perfect blood pressure before getting unwell. I was a personal trainer as well as a hairdresser. You know, you have to check your blood pressure all the time. So it, um, I thought that would be enough for some of my friends to say I'm taking medication every morning, but also me going bedridden a lot. But I guess people don't understand it and they can't cope with um, illness, which is really sad. Um, but, yeah, it did it hurt me a lot. 
some of those people, it still does hurt. Um, and yeah, maybe their friendships will probably never be mended again. But look, the friends that have stood by me are my true friends and they've been amazing. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for having the strength to meet your friends at whatever energy they're at and hold space for that. Um, and um, I think there's also truth in because of the way humans are tribe-wired and as soon as people are weak in the tribe genetically and historically we have discarded them um, to survive, like it's actually part of survival, I can understand why culturally we still aren't there yet with people being able to meet people where they're at and bring along the weak ones. And and I think what's really interesting, and you sound like you were a similar young person, super bubbly, like big support to everyone. If you're a personal trainer, you're a natural giver, natural motivator. That's me too, right? And when the natural giver, motivator, I'm here for any problem you have, any challenge you have, and all of a sudden you can't be there. Crash and burn. That dynamic can be really uncomfortable as well because people can't turn to you all of a sudden and that's the only dynamic you've ever had. I've always been able to turn to that person and, like, to reverse and actually try and be the person that that person needs to turn to can be a massive shift for some people that I don't think they're able to do. Yeah. It's, and it's that's that's hard. I've arrived at and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, look. It's, as yeah, painful I, as it has been. Yeah, you just it is, have to it is say. very painful. Mm. Yeah, can be. Yeah, because I think, I mean, when you're in your worst part of your life, it was my worst part of my life besides losing my father. Um, it's like you want the support from everyone possible around you to give you support. And it's something that doesn't just, and I guess the other thing you probably remember this, Alex, when you're at your worst as well and someone complains to you about a headache around you and you're like, you have no idea <laughs> what a headache yeah. is. <laughs> you can take your Panadol and it's gone in tw- you know, 10 minutes where mm. You know, to have this for years and years. I hope no one ever gets it. You know, having something for every day consistently. Mm. Yeah, that's it. And no one bakes a cake for someone with chronic illness or mental health challenges. (laughs) No No one brings you a a lasagna or, you know, says, can I pick you up something at the shops? It's just not, you know, if you had cancer um, or, or, uh, you know, you just had a seizure, then they're, they're these crisis terms that people understand and come to the rescue for, and I, we are so not there for mental health or chronic illness. I know. Mm. People, kind of, people kind of like look at it and go, oh, yeah, that Corbin's sick again. Oh, Corbin's got a headache. He's not coming to the, the event that's on tonight. He's in bed. Instead of being like, oh, yeah, hey, how, how are you feeling, Corbin? Like, how are you going? Yeah. Like, if you're in bed, you must be really rock bottom because, you know, that's the thing. I don't know if you're like me, Alex. You know, I, I would still get up as much as I could and get out, like get in the sun, walk around, like, I started a business through the, through the worst part of my illness, which was one of the hardest things I ever did. But for me, it was like, don't stop. You've got a mortgage to pay for one. Two, um, do something. Like, do something else. What, what, what is there a shortage in the market of, you know? And obviously for me, being a redhead and super pale and never tanning, <laughs> ever in the sun. Um, Self-tan. Got- that's yeah, where you went. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that was something I, I did, um, which I think was a really big um, distraction for me because I was like, okay, keep yourself super busy. It was hard. The brain fog and the memory loss and like trying to do stuff. So I had this book. So I was, you see the books. 
<laughs> been writing and all these notes and all these things and I started a business and learning all this stuff and it would make no sense to anyone else. But to me, it was like, okay, cool, <laughs> go back to put this piece of paper. You know, um, I think that I so have the same, um, I had the same spirit in there, in the darkness, was just this desperate need to connect to purpose and um, find things I deeply loved. Uh, luckily, I already had two businesses that I deeply loved and felt real usefulness in. So they got to keep going. Um, and then tennis, my passion for my childhood sport came back and it was honestly one of the things that kept me going. Um, can I ask you in your darkest moments um, how you rationalised keeping going? Like what were some of the things you did um, to to show up? Um, I did get into yoga and meditation, which was which is super hard for someone that's so um full on like I am normally. I'm just like ah, so much energy. So for me to actually stop and try and bring myself into this kind of balance and relaxation, um, did it help? No, uh, at the time <laughs> it didn't. No, yeah, didn't. no, meditation no. certainly didn't help me. No, not at all. Mm. Um, but okay, I think for me. Alex, the best thing was to keep really busy. And that's what mum really emphasised on me as well. Mum was like, okay, you need to get up out of bed, even if you just do a couple of things for the day, you know. So I think in my darkest time it was just like keep going. If my friends wouldn't go to the beach and it, you know, it was warm in Tasmania, which is rare. Um, <laughs> nice little moment there. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd go down there with them and, you know, yes, I'd be experiencing nerve pain and chronic migraines and dizzy spells and really bad anxiety to the point where I couldn't really talk to anybody. But the friends I surround myself with, who I've still am friends with today, um, were really supportive. And they just I didn't have to talk. I just sat there and I'd be in the sand, I'd jump in the water. I just I just do stuff as much as I could. I wouldn't say no unless I was like to the point where you know that point where you have to try and close your eyes and lay down and breathe, breathe through what's actually happening and hoping that there's an answer. Yeah, that's it. I think because there still wasn't an answer for me. Four years. I lost my career in hairdressing. Everyone kind of was like, oh, I was booked out for three, four months in advance, the hairdresser here in Tassie. So really busy hairdresser, um, quite well known here for hairdressing, which was great. So it was like everyone was like, what is wrong with Corbin? Like he's just gone downhill. And and I, and I was convinced I had these tumours, therocrotosis tumours, um, because the doctor was convinced I had it. So he kept sending me back and forth more and more dye injection scans, which obviously is really toxic as well, and more and more money. And they couldn't find them. And I was just like to a point there, I was like, I just want something, an answer, just one answer for anything. And then when I finally got that that last appointment I went to, which I wasn't going to go to, I was like, no, I'm done. I'm finished with doctors and got the diagnosis and was like, wow, the whole time was in my face the whole time. Yeah. And literally in your face, in yeah, your I nose. I the floor. <laughs> I made the floor in my bedroom. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, so now it's just like one of those things. I walk into someone's house. I went to Europe recently uh, to launch the business overseas and the first time I've ever been there. Um, and I went to Paris and checked into our Airbnb. It looked brand new and I booked it, walked in there within like 20 seconds, bang, sinuses flared up, eyes were funny, dizzy spells, head pressure, the back of my head, blood pressure all over the place and just, just hectic fatigue came over me. I was trying to trying to hide it because with a colleague in a, and my partner, and I was trying to be like really 
quiet about this happening. It's really embarrassing, as you know, still happening it is. this long 10 years and later. And you don't want to be the burden. No. We spent so much money for the Airbnb. Yeah. And I you know, sat down in the bath and tried to calm myself down. I was like, it's not getting any better at all. Um, and I, yeah, I had the CSM tablets with me, you know, the cholesterol-lowering. Cholestyramine. Yep. Um, I take them everywhere. So I popped two of them and some Nurofen and just didn't budge. I just got worse and worse. And I was like, I need to get out of here. And Tristan looked at me and he was like, you're having a, a flare-up. He's like, you need to get out of here now. He started looking for another hotel, a newer one. Like I think we ended up staying the Hilton up the road, which was ridiculously expensive, but it was like it just been built like two years before. I know. I, he, I always look for the the newly built yeah, hotels. I'm literally. like, I don't care how much it costs. No, you have to. It costs way more. I know that now. Yeah, so, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, you know, and the way I try to explain, because my colleague that was with me at the time, has, she knows I've been really unwell, but she'd never actually seen it and she saw it and she was like, oh, my God. She's like. And how fast it happens. Wow. I was like, yeah. And then the next week of walking around Paris and working and whatever else happening over there, she was like, I was just a mess. Because you know how long it takes to settle, your body to settle after being through a five or ten minute exposure. Um and so for me, that was like, okay, yep, cool. I need to be super careful. And uh, it looks new. Double check it is new because it might be renovated, but it doesn't matter. There's been spores in there, bang, I'm a goner, basically. Yeah. Well, freshly renovated is the the biggest code word for we're trying to cover up mold. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we don't want to remediate, so we're just going to paint and carpet. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So let's talk about the testing you did to get to your diagnosis. Cause I know, uh, that's a question I get asked all the time. Um, what tests did you do? Uh, so I had the, um, genetic testing done first. I had the hair mineral analysis testing done that showed up nothing. My hair mineral testing. Um, I had, um, like, as I said, every scan under the sun. I'm just taking you through all this, all this stuff I've had, like brain scans. Um, I had, you know, four colonoscopies. Oh, yeah, I, no, I mean like the tests that actually produced the diagnosis. Yep, so the mycotoxin yeah. panel test I had, which um, they sent it to Nutripath in Melbourne, um, and it's a mycotoxin panel test. So they test for all mycotoxins, and it's it's a urine test. So it's like super simple. That's the other thing. Yeah, it's, it's a so simple easy. test. It's expensive though. I think it's expensive. I know. And I'm like, and then they found out within, I think it was like 48 hours. I got the call and was like, what? Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah same. A whole bunch of, um, a whole bunch of stabbing around in the dark, spending yeah. thousands. And then, oh, okay. It's and, all my, and I also had a cytokine test as well, which was, I was doing hyperbaric oxygen therapy at the time in Melbourne, which I did. I think 220 hours of. Mm-hmm. Did you do hyperbaric? Alex? Yes. Yeah, I have done. Oh, how exhausting is hyperbaric? Yeah, it is. Mm. It's a bit scary in there too. So we did that in Melbourne um, and that made me really unwell, but that also helped so much with my recovery. I think I had like an 80, 80% recovery from it over six to 12 months after treatment. It took a while to work. Um, but when I was doing that, they did a cytokine test in there um, and mine was just like crazy. Like the guy, the tester, he was like, wow. He was like, look at your, it was just like all in the reds, like thousands past the reds. I'm like, I don't want to see this. He's like, this is what's happening in your body right now. It's just information overload. 
So, um, yeah, I did that through all the treatment and you watch it kind of come down as you're doing the hyperbaric oxygen therapy. But, yeah, so the mycotoxin test, so I guess if you're feeling unwell and you think you might have it, request, you know, hassle your doctor and ask them to get a test done at Nutripath. That's the only place, I think, in Yeah, it's the only Australia Australian place. Yeah, does otherwise, it. Otherwise you have to send off, I think it's about, um, yeah, 500 for a mycotox test through GP Great Plains um, and then the postage and everything. So, yeah, uh, that's what I did. And then we did... Um, we didn't do the full panel. You used to be able to do a panel in Australia that's Sandeep um, and I'll put the show notes uh, links to the two shows I've done with Sandeep, guys, so that you can hear and listen back. I've got all the mould-related ones in there for you today. Um, but you used to be able to test the protein markers like your C4A and um, uh, MMP9, I think it is, yeah, and MMP9. a few others. Yeah. Uh, and send it off to America, and that was about $1,500. But because there weren't enough people who could afford to do that, they stopped doing it. Uh, and so that's kind of leading me to the question because you've talked about 200 hours in a hyperbaric chamber. We've talked about all the tests we've done. We've talked about, um, you know, upgrading the hotel. Um, I'm probably two house moves away from not being able to do anything anymore in terms of if I get hit with mould, shit that's like move back in with your parents kind of thing. Um, at 47, so nearly 47, that does not feel good to say or realise, but all of our house savings that we had up until um, six years ago all went on me getting better. Um, no, it's really sad, isn't it? It is. And I had savings. So, you know, and you had the cash to do all this treatment. Yeah, I had the- savings as well for property. I had right. a, I had, obviously, I ended up purchasing property, but I had help, luckily, yeah, money off my mum, which was amazing, and that's incredible, um, very, right? Very, very so lucky to now do that. The privilege, but don't have money. yeah, it's a privilege to be able to treat yourself for chronic illness. That's the problem today. Yeah, how sad is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's so true. It's like if you're sick, you either um, have to live in it because you can't afford to move, or you're renting and no one fixes it, or you have no diagnosis, you don't know what's wrong with you, so you're going to a doctor and they're just describing you medicate different medications for. The, the different illnesses that mould illness is mimicking. Um, well, for me, like I bought this and up selling my property and luckily it was a really great time in Tasmania. Obviously, the market here has gone crazy um, and I'd sold my property in West Hobart and bought this beautiful house on the beach here in Seven Mile where I am now. And recently, Alex, I think I had messaged you um, before we chatted, I started getting sick again. And I was like, something's not right. I'm feeling really unwell, getting headaches. Um, so there's mould somewhere. I was like, is it the gym? You know, is it where I've had a meeting somewhere or is it at home? And I actually discovered it was at home. This house I'm living in is, you know, five years old. Is this the house I can see behind you here? Yeah, Mm yeah, yeah. I turn around, it's like right on the waterfront. It's a beautiful house. Yeah, it looks lovely. Yeah, it's really. so you can see my kitchen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, nice and modern, fresh. (laughs) Doesn't look like Um, you could possibly have a mould problem there. Right, that's the Mm. thing. So, you know, a new build and uh, we discovered, I went into the spare room upstairs and I had a plant. Um, screwed into the roof, hanging plant, and uh, it was on the ground. And I was like, what is going on here? Looked up in the ground. I was like, how did that fall out of the roof? It's been there for years. And put my hand up into the whole part where it was and found water and was like, right. So we had this huge storm. It's been like a week before that. And we discovered the water had gone 
back through the box cutter and through the ceiling all the way through to our ensuite, which is now the side of the house. And it was just puddling up in our ensuite. Insurance companies are very, very slow with stuff. Obviously, there's been lots of things happening everywhere across Australia, so understandable. Um, but because they took so long, it started to mould. Well, it's only 48 hours before it starts to grow. So the system is so broken. Medically, we've already talked about, but also from an insurance perspective, um, you know, and then it makes me think, I I wonder whether mould illness has never been fully researched and worked on because the implications on building, construction, insurance, if you think about the average of 50% buildings being water damaged in some way right now in this country, I mean, the financial, like so many companies would go under. That's so true. And uh, my partner's father is in construction. He said it's just disgraceful, some of the builds of properties. They're not educated on those stuff to make sure there's no moisture in the house, to make sure there's airflow. And we build for. things to be pretty and That's exactly to right. be profitable. Yeah. And nothing else is part of the success metric. And the roof, and my roof's a flat roof. So, yeah, it's a beautiful-looking house, but you can't get into the ceiling. So because they didn't fix it for eight months, uh, it moulded, so I moved straight, down, straight downstairs. And I literally, I felt better within a week living downstairs. But I guess for me in that moment, Alex, I said to my partner, I was like, you know, because it's really emotional when you get unwell and you flare up again. It's been such a long time. You're like, wow, it's happening again. Like, I mean, you get this PTSD and fall back into this it is 100% bedridden that, yeah. illness that you had. Um, and I said to my partner, I'm just, I feel for those people living in mould right now that can't just go downstairs of their house. Or haven't got a downstairs or another room to go into that's safe for them. Um, or, you know, as I said before, can't move out or have it fixed, which is really scary. So with insurance, what ended up happening there? I ended up getting, um, well, they actually found out about my business and my health story in the end and kind of had them, one of the majors from our bank call, us, call me up and apologise and had someone come and fix it all within like 24 hours. Oh, wow. Yeah, but because they had the ceiling opened for that p- period of time where the spores were exposed into my bedroom. Um, I moved back into the room for one night and didn't think. And within like, you know, a couple of minutes, I started to flare up again. So I moved back out of the room, back downstairs, and um, they had to rip the carpet up. And they ripped the carpet up and found another area where the water had leaked. So right now, the most beautiful room of the house <laughs> is closed up and there's no carpet in there. So we've got another assessor coming through to go through and make sure they check exactly where all the water is coming from, make sure it's all gone. I'm lucky this house is really warm. It's like a so all glass all the way around, so it heats up and um, it's very ventilated. And it dries out open. well. Because we yeah, every building is going to get wet, but yeah. it's about how well it dries out. Yeah. yeah. And we've always been a firm believer of having windows open around the house. I think circulation of the air is really important. Um, I've got an air filter as well. But, um, yeah, that's that's an issue for the house <laughs> is, is the mould. So, um, yeah, we're, we're dealing with it as best we can. But as I said, we're lucky we can go to another bedroom, which we're living in at the moment, where other people can't, which is really upsetting to hear. Yeah, massively so. Um, you mentioned PTSD. I definitely experienced the same. And the feeling when 
it all comes crashing down over you. So we have sim- a couple of similar symptoms, but a couple of different ones as well. And that's where genetics and epigenetics plays a part. Um, but we moved to what we thought was going to be the house we'd live in until my son finished school in a few years' time. Loved it. Amazing location. Really nice and big. Lots of teen breakout kind of space. And um, within, you know, and, and then I remember I actually saw my Instagram of the week that we moved there with the sunrise and just feeling so good and feeling so grateful. And then my head started feeling like it had been squeezed in. And then I started having palpitations beyond being able to sleep. Um, Then started having like little breakups in my heartbeats, ectopic heartbeats. Uh, and then started having the twitches and the twitches for me is really the, like, cause you can have palpitations from phone towers. I, I, I get that sometimes. Um, but the twitching is mold for me through and through it's where it's neurologically damaging me and, um, the lip and then the eyes. Oh, like, and then yeah. like this side of my face goes down. Yeah. And it's like, like bells it lasts for like four months. Sometimes the twitching and you're like, yeah. Everyone get it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just constant. And you get to a point you're like, it just won't stop. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's incredible. And to to have to tell your family, like I'd imagine you would have had this same experience with your partner about whatever flare-ups you've had over the years since, um, is awful because it's such you're such a burden. Um exactly and it's right. such a big thing to move house. Um Huge. and to have to change everything and to have to then say, so you, you know that money we've, we've got saved up, uh, it's actually going on a new couch, new beds, uh, new cushions and pillows, um, all the poorest stuff that you can't take with you. And, um, I mean, I'm just so grateful to have a family that that gets it. And I think it's going to be part of my son's resilience story. He's mildly affected. He gets nosebleeds and brain fog. Um, but uh, my husband, thankfully, just a few respiratory, like, you know, like a normal allergy response to mould if it's yeah. around. I didn't get any respiratory issues at all. Me neither. You? Yeah, nope. mum was nope. more internal. My sister, she was... Oh, in... actually, shortness of breath. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, I did get the... Yeah, me too. Sorry, I get that. Yeah, yeah that was really that. bad. Yeah, yeah that but was no, bad. no, no, no... Um, uh, Sinusy. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, My son had anything. that. Yeah, yeah, no, I didn't have that at all. I think that's people that don't have that, that recessive gene that one or four people will have. Mm. Um, my sister, she... She refuses to get tested. She's a military police officer <laughs> and she um, moved back from the States and um, she lived in the house, the rental I was in in Hobart at the time of feeling getting sick. It started off with me for, um, as well as reflux. I had really bad reflux. Oh, wow. So bad. And then I kept going in and having a look at it. I uh, have a, you know, um, colonoscopy and endoscopy and they discovered it was just inflamed. That's mm. what I can figure out why. Like that the was tear ducts. Yeah, yeah, that was the start of it. Uh, and my sister ended up with a really rare case of um, cervical cancer. Oh, wow. 0.01% of women have that type of cervical cancer. And it was like the size of a fist. It was huge. She's still obviously alive, which is amazing, and got through it, which is incredible. Um, but she, to this day, still has so many health problems. And obviously, being in the military, there's mold everywhere in those where they in live. Those, yeah. Yeah. She has like, she's been, I think she had about five or six surgeries in the last two years. Um, with like inflammatory problems in the hip and her knees and her shoulder um, and always respiratory for her. She has like a, a sinus infection every fortnight. Yeah, wow. That's, that's putting her on, you know, um, antibiotics. It's just making mm. it worse. 
So, oh, wow. Um, yeah, retrospective. Gosh, it's so funny how once you're not in the pain of it, you go, oh, no, no, I didn't have that. And now I'm thinking, yeah, I started getting hay fever for the first time in my life in that building and sinus infections and, yeah, so I did. Well, you, you <laughs> block it totally out. I totally forgot. Yeah, I've blocked yeah, it out. Yeah, exactly. you do. You block it out. It's not until you start experiencing one of those symptoms again, you're like, oh, here, here we go. We about to fall back into that bad stage. That's mm. where the talk about the PTSD comes up. Yeah, so um, I wanted to ask you about that. So how have you addressed that? Because it's obviously um, there are quite a few parts to PTSD and there are quite a few things you can do to calm those parts of the brain that um, go into fight, flight, freeze um, when when the shit hits the fan. Yeah, I journal straight away. I journal about um, and my journal, like, doesn't make a lot of sense. But uh, to me, it does. So it's kind of like reassuring myself everything's going to be okay. I kind of like have strength. I think your body and your mind is a pretty amazing thing, especially now that, you know, we're looking at reco- on this recovery. We're always going to be in this recovery mode, really. Um, so I do that. I also try and get, obviously, as I said, been across the road from the beach. I try and get on there straight away, my feet in the sand, earth, my, you know, ground myself in the earth and put some really beautiful music on and stretch and um, also go to the gym. So I love going to the gym. I love lifting weights and I love exercising. So I would like get myself, even though how bad I feel, I'll just get in there and just sweat it out. Get into a sauna if I can as well, straight to the sauna and steam room. Steam room, not so much because sometimes I'm very funny on steam rooms. Oh, the steam um, freaks me out. Yeah, yeah I can't do yeah, it either. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I just kind of go into this like, re- like recovery mode. I'm like bang, bang, bang cycle and then, it takes me, when I do have a flare-up, it takes me about two, one, sometimes two weeks. And through that time, I get all sorts of different things. Like you're saying, I get like a twitch or I get like a numb tingling uh, into my tongue. Um, and the headaches or a bit of nerve pain in my left arm around my elbow there or just like little bits and pieces of it. I just have to keep myself really um, positive, like attitude and say, you're going to be okay when you get through this. You'll see your body's strong. Look what it's done already. And that's what gets me through thinking, you know, you've just basically got yourself to a 90% recovery, like to do that. And I guess for me, it's like um, I also do sometimes spiral and go into a bit of a research mode, which obviously we've, I guess we've both done. Yeah, does if absolutely. And just to make sure that everything is okay because mm. <laughs> you always, is there going to be something else, you know, happening yeah. in my body that's been through? Well, that's part uh, of the PTSD, isn't it? Yeah. It's the story that you're always going to be compromised and you're always going to have issues. And there's evidence to say, actually, you can get to a place where that's not the case. Um, I, I mean, I was shocked. We visited three um, homes about three weeks ago. House inspections, we're getting back out there. We've been living in this tiny 1.5-bedroom apartment um, because it was our Airbnb between two dodgy places Um, and we felt like Seb and I were just completely well here, like everything. I mean, I sound a bit nasally right now because I'm recovering from the flu, but um, he just like not a single nosebleed, all my twitching tremors, everything went away. And so then when we moved again, and this was one of those freshly renovated situations, which I will never do again, um, and got all the symptoms again, I said, I just want to feel like we felt when we were in that apartment. And my husband made a phone call 
and uh, they were happy to lease it to us for a year to just take stock, which has been incredible. Legend. You certainly got a great, oh, great support network with you with your husband. I think that's uh, really important as well. That's a, lot of, a lot of people that um, I've met along the journey that have had partners have their relationship has ended, which is yes, really sad. It happens really, really a sad. lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've met it so happens many a lot. People, so many people with different types of like levels of symptoms from the mold. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. This, this one girl I met. In treatment she was in a wheelchair it was really really sad alex and she um it was too late and they'd found it was had gone through a spine oh my gosh yeah so she um had chronic illness and from they had found black mold or through what types of mycotoxins through her spinal fluid jeez um and she was in a wheelchair yeah and then she'll never walk again which is really sad she's doing hyperbaric because the pain it helped with the pain she had really bad hip pain and leg pain and I just, I would literally, I would leave treatment every day and just burst into tears. Not just because I was so exhausted, but just because the people I met and what they were going through, I was just like, I can't even complain. Anyway, I knew I was so unwell, like, you know, 10 out of 10 chronically unwell. Knocking on death's door, basically, that's what it felt like. But it was just, it was retrospective seeing other people and going, wow, like, it's just so scary what mold can do to you in your body. It is. And the stories and the hugs on various book talks that I've given afterwards where people like, thank you for saying what you had and sharing what you've been through because I would have had no idea and I might have died. Like to know that there are that many people out there with no answers, no financial support, um, it's devastating, right? And what do you, you, you said you journaled for PTSD. Have you done any um, brain retraining and, and things like that as well? To be completely honest, no, I haven't. Mm. I have, I've looked into it and like kind of had a bit of a YouTube. On yeah, it. yeah, yeah. But as it's, it's really hard for me to like get into that kind of stuff. Like I'm, I would love to. It's be not where you it. naturally would go. Yeah. That's what happens. I'd start doing it and I'd start thinking about work. Mm. <laughs> about like another product or this or that or like my yeah. brain just quickly just goes off to another, another space so for me I don't think it I mean I look it might work if I could actually sit down and do it and put my mind to it I guess but I guess everyone's everyone deals with that kind of trauma and PTSD differently for me it's like get up do not sit in bed and complain about it talk about it it's really important to talk about it talk about it with the closest ones around you want to listen to you like my friends are really, really great. I said, and my partner and my mom, and you know, tell them how you're feeling and what you're scared about. Like I'm really scared about falling back into this, you know, this chronic unwell illness. And everyone around you, you know, it was really great. They're like, you're going to be okay. You're just going through this little short bit at the moment, and that that really helps talking about it. Um, and then, as I said, for me, it's exercise and movement, and just just getting up and moving, getting outside, and getting that fresh air in my body, and Lean myself nuts, reassurance it's going to be okay. Mm. You mentioned taking cholestyramine. Uh, for me, I couldn't take it. Um, I ended up with uh, activated charcoal. That's been my go-to. And then those, th- I was, sorry, I, I totally tangent it, but the three apartments that we visited, um, it was actually two houses, one apartment, uh, where as soon as we get there, we always say, how did the, how did the houses fare during um, the, all the rains this year? Oh yeah, great! No water damage or anything. We've been really lucky. And <laughs> look up at the um, the first skylight or whatever, and then you see the bubbling paint, or you see actual mold. 
um, or you see paint peeling or crack with like a puffed out bit of wall or whatever it is, we saw it everywhere. And, um, and normally, okay, not, no, I shouldn't say normally because that's not my normal right now. And it was normal, but in the past, if I had spent that much time, so let's say it was 15 minutes all up in these three, cause we go in, we see it, we go out, you know, we, we don't bunk around and well, stay. As soon as you get that flare up as well, you can feel it. Yeah. Start feeling and you like, get out. Yeah. Normally I would then be sick for a week. It, let's say this was four years ago. Um, five, or even three or two years ago. But this time it was pop two charcoals, double down on your vitamin B12 for a couple of days, have a big steak um, and uh, and tons of leafy greens, like big smoothies and things. How good is it? It's like crave the greens too. Yeah, exactly, yeah. because they've got a ton of B vitamins as well. And, um, and so that for me meant, oh, my gosh, I think I had a twitchy leg for like three minutes and then it went away and I, you know, felt some palpitations when I was in there, but then it went away. And so for me, that's a story of hope that you can actually get to a place, but key is to actually just live not in mold. That is, I mean, it is so key. And yet I've found it's the most challenging part because if you do houses, then you've got the ground level rising damp situation if you do apartments it's either old and not looked after or it's modern and energy efficient and built like a humidity bubble uh and you know it's very hard to win yeah it's so hard it's like you it shouldn't be this bubble. hard to have a healthy home no it's really really sad and like this is there's a lot of my friends places the same that they've had like leaking in there or you know like they're like they'll say to you oh it's fine you walk in there and bang here comes the mole detector corbin and it's like flare up bang, yeah. get out. and it's hard like my, my, my mom's house that i moment down the road here she's got a shack and renovating it and i can't go in there because it makes me really sick and they recently found mold in the obviously which i knew already so i could feel it um in one of the walls, they're completely fixing it. It's, it's, it's hard because you feel like this burden, and you feel like you're like you're making a big deal out of something that's not a big deal for anyone else. Yeah, it's, it's, that's it's tricky. Really tricky. Mm. Yeah, I very, very much tricky. agree with that. That's um, yeah, I think the recessive gene as well. For I guess if you've got chronic inflammatory response. Yeah, yeah. So I think um. For my research, obviously 25% of the world have it. So one in four people have that recessive gene. So it's, it's what like Corbin's talking about here, for those of you who don't know, it's the HLA-DR slash DQ genes. Um, and certain SNPs are able to tell you which parts of your immune system under function against which type of biotoxin or environmental toxin. Um, and and so it's pretty incredible research. Hasn't been confirmed on a mass scale yet, uh, independently of uh, Dr. Shoemaker, who initially did the work. But, I mean, the guy's treated like over 10,000 patients and then a lot of doctors around the world who've tweaked how he treated patients and come up with different ways, new ways, complementary therapies, um, to build a broader picture to help more people, I think, because not everybody healed on that protocol of shoemakers. Um, I think just speaks to the fact that there is so much more research left to do in this field 
to I the followed. point where someone can walk into a doctor's office and that is something that is tabled straight away. How's your home? Do you have any mould? Right. Mm. Yeah. And so I, I obviously, you know, you do your own research and you kind of do your own treatment plan, as you know, as well, because... Because it's you, a chronic illness. So. You have to. Yeah. If you want to get better, you have to do research for yourself what's going on. Um, and I, I did follow and read a lot of Dr. Schumacher stuff. So obviously he's been really incredible for me uh, in the journey to getting better as well. And um, speaking back to when you asked me about the cholestyramine, um, I couldn't take anything, Alex. Like I'll have a vitamin C infusion or I'd have either oh, vitamin C no, tablets. Oh, no, I couldn't do vitamin C infusion I would either. have. I had, yeah. this, I had this symptom that I'm remembering now that we're talking about it. I had this, um, I still occasionally will get it. Um, if I've been exposed or unwell, and it's like a burning sensation in where my liver area is, like top of my bowel, or small bowel there, and I get really bloated. Like I'm pregnant, you know, it's like insane. And I had that every time I'd had vitamin C. So I'll each, even the smallest little vitamin would trigger off some sort of Herx reaction, which um, it, which means everything would kind of go times five. Um, that's what Herx means. So. If anyone doesn't know what it means. Um, but so I had to do it really slow and I started and stopped and started and stopped. Even now that I have those tablets when I do come in contact with mold and I kind of take them, I can only take it for a couple of days or I start to feel really crappy again. Almost like it's giving me a detox reaction. And yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy because that's that's one of the main things that um Dr. Shoemaker refers to 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 bind out the biotoxin in your body. Um, and I'm actually due to have the test done again. So it's been six six years since I've had the test last. I'm really nervous to have it done. I've been putting it off every week. I can push it aside and have it done. Yeah, yeah. To have the Nutripath by um, mycotoxin panel test done again because I'm like, what if there is mold still in there? Like, what do I do? I feel okay. Like, I generally feel pretty healthy. Um, but do I have to go back through that same treatment plan again? So I've, I've researched and going to a clinic next year in Cyprus. Um, yeah, because, tell you know, me about that. Well, that 10%, talking about being 90%, but that 10% still is enough to be trying to run a, a global business. Um, it's difficult and build this team of staff and and run this brand. Uh, that 10% I still suffer quite a lot with once a month. So um, there's a clinic called Poseidon Clinic in Cyprus and, you know, a lot of people have been there and, had a really great success rate and a, a friend of mine had been there recently and and had a great success rate of getting better uh it's eight hours treatment a day it's iv ozone therapy hyperbaric but diving deeper so it's like a lower dive which means it's, it's more oxygen to the whole body areas of the body um oxygen or ozone sorry um oxygen therapy as well yeah oh, so okay. hyperbaric yeah so you have the so you have an ozone IV and you have and the hyperbaric. Then a hyperbaric. Got it. Yeah. Wow. So I've never done never done the ozone therapy before. Have you done it? I'm actually terrified of it. <laughs> Me too. I'm, and my partner also is like it's so dangerous. I um only because I've had a couple of air filters over the years of you know uh, what we're talking about, and two of them had microscopic amounts of ozone as part of their function which is quite normal, but I reacted to those too. And I was like, oh, oh. No. and my doctor Imagine. wants me to do an ozone, the Hercat machine. Oh, um, wow. okay. Yeah, but I'm not game yet. So um, I will, I will be game. Of, 
it's that feeling of having that Herx reaction and it can, that yeah. Herx can last for two weeks. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not ready. And I think, have you, not, have you experienced this or do you kind of experience it permanently where if you're feeling okay, you're so freaking grateful to feel okay <laughs> yes. that you just don't want to change anything, even no. though you don't feel great. Yep, hundred percent. And that for me, that's the psychological part. Yes, definitely. Healing. Which is normal. Like I think mm. it's a normal thing to do. It's it's like yeah, I I feel great. I feel okay, which is great for me. I don't remember the last time I felt completely amazing. <laughs> I, rem- I remember yeah. that's that's gone. So you live with how you feel. And today's a great day. I feel good. Mm. So I don't want to touch anything. Yeah. I don't want to take. I don't want to take a probiotic or that might react to give me a herx reaction because I know that I could be feel shit for the next week. Yeah, that's what happens. Do and probiotics the rest of my do week. that to you? Sometimes. Yeah. yeah so me I, too. I take sporbiotic, um, mm. which is the best I feel like for me. But if I can take it, I can take it for two weeks, Alex, and be fine. And I can stop taking it. And I can take it again for two days and then have a herx. And my stomach swells up. I get that pain. I get really tired. It's like getting headaches. It's it's insane. It's really insane, and that's why it's like we call they call it a chronic illness because it's a lifetime thing. And I think it's how we cope with it and how our body copes with the environmental stuff around us and our diet and what we're eating and um yeah. So look, I just drink a lot of water and try and I get really dehydrated. That's another thing, really dehydrated easily. I can drink, you know, three, four liters of water a day and still look like I, my body fluctuates water. Well, you talked about being sensitive to vitamins and I was working with, at the very start, this was part of the investigative journey, I was working with a um, a doctor of chiropractic who branched into um, chronic illness because his son had schizoaffective bipolar disorder and he had spent his time researching how to support him uh, and then had come across the mold community because the brain on fire concept that so many people have really intense neurological symptoms. That's definitely the way mine goes um, and therefore become psychiatric patients often before anyone has identified that they're living in mold. Um, he became really passionate about it. So through that sidestep, and he found, um, helped me find mold in our apartment. And then from there said, the first thing we have to do is work on your cell hydration and cell, um, uh, what's the word? Um, oh, darn it. Electrolytes? No, 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 no. Cell health. Let's just okay, call yeah. it cell health. Yeah. Um, and so phosphatidylcholines and minerals, so a multi-mineral, and then only when those were working was I then able to introduce B12 and then a whole bunch of other things. But without the hydration part sorted, where the cell could actually accept and remove water and I wasn't this big puffball um, of just because you're drinking because you're thirsty. It's almost like diabetic. Oh, it's insane. Um, and then you're peeing all night. Yeah. Yeah. I, just pay, I think once I, when I was at my worst, I paid like 15 times in one night. Yeah, same. You just get up, I was like, up, what the hell? Again. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And your and body it, also trying to detoxify and it just doesn't know what to do. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people who pee all night, by the way, you don't have mold illness necessarily, but just start adding a little tiny pinch of salt to your water and you might notice that you actually stop peeing all night because your cells are accepting 
the water because there's enough minerals in them. And the Celtic um, sea salt is amazing for that. So fabulous. I yeah. Love it. So yep, good. Pinching there. Um, great hack. And that's like helped so many people. A lot of people think, oh, I'm just getting older. I have to pee a lot. Yeah. Like, no, no not necessarily. You've got um, mold illness. Yeah. Or <laughs> Sorry. a hydration or issue. Yeah. Issue. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and that's definitely been something for me because I, I see some of my friends I haven't seen for a while and they're like, wow, you look so skinny. And especially shows in my face too. And I'm like, well, I haven't lost any weight. Mm. But, and then the next day I'm puffy. And it's just, yeah. it's just fluctuates. And that's happened for me for years since being chronically unwell. Um, Same. Crazy. Yeah. And I mean, some days looks, like right now, I have, right now I have a flu. So I feel yeah. I'm puffy because yeah. my immune system's down and it's yeah. the same kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, yeah. no, it's not mold. It's just the flu. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank goodness. You. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I want to finish off by asking you um, what what you hope for. Like what do you hope changes so that more people can uh, get to the answers faster um, and get the support they need? I have a ton of ideas on on what I'd like to see. Some of them we've talked about today, but I'd love to hear from you. Um, Alex, I really hope that our healthcare system gets a really big smack <laughs> with like, and obviously we know there's so many things, obviously I said my partner works in it, so there's not just the mould issue, but there's so many problems in the healthcare system at the moment, which is really scary. But I really hope that we start being educated more in environmental toxins itself, not just mould. Um, and, you know, having a bit more like that level of support through doing treatments like hyperbaric oxygen therapy, which is such a great treatment for me. It was, um, and not having to pay $34,000 for it. I your money. It's like Medicare, the health system, everything. Um, yeah. I just really hope we start building more awareness in it. Uh, it's, I did see recently there was a, um, some funding with organization. I don't get the name of it now. It's gone in my head. Um, the guy actually is from was from the Wiggles. Mm. And he got really oh, sick. Oh yes. Yeah. So he started a foundation um, with some funding, and this, this is exactly what I hope to do. I think as my company continues to grow, maybe start something. Maybe we, you and I will start something, Alex, one day. Yeah. Um, Never know. And really drive um, awareness and support for people that are suffering from chronic illness. Mm. Um, I hope to be able to go to to people go to a doctor and then to 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 ask that question as you said before. You know, are you living in an old house? And be able to do those tests without paying a thousand dollars for for a urine test, and sending it to America or to Melbourne. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's definitely exactly the same hope. And the I don't know if you've had this challenge, but I have as well. But when you're dealing with the brain fog and um, lethargy of mold illness, which is so un so unbelievably clouding. Another um, thing you can't explain to people when you've got it too. You're yeah, like, I and can't you still, actually think. Yeah, and I actually can't do anything. Like but you I'm have conscious heavy. thought of ideas, and they're still coming thick and fast. And you know what you want to do, but you just can't do it. Yeah. Um, part of the issue for me has been getting enough time to be in clarity of thought and healthy to actually formulate a plan. Yeah. You know, and uh, but it's coming. I can feel it. It's happening. Um, getting closer every day. Giving a TED talk actually is going to be helpful on mold. Yeah. Um, at a come up at an upcoming TEDx, which I'm grateful for the awesome. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah. I um, think yeah, I think uh, it's it's 
a great space to be in having a business. It's, mm. it's, it's really hard. You've obviously, you said you have multiple businesses. It's a bit tricky. It's, it's a hard thing to do, but also it's a really good distraction. But um, I mentioned earlier before the call that um, I think if you become successful in something that you love doing, um, for me, you know, my business helps people feel confident in their own skin, having something that's organic and certified and toxic-free and plant-based. Um, but also people, you have a voice so you can speak and people want to listen to you so you can help other people. And I, and I mentioned earlier, if you can, if I can help one person on this journey of my life that is suffering from a similar health problem and get an answer for them and give them a, a recovery, like or some sort of, then that's an incredible feeling. Absolutely. So incredible. So hopefully this conversation gives a bit of a window into what it feels like and some of the different challenges that come up and some of the hope that you can build uh, as you go along. If you've got even just one or two supportive people in your corner, you don't need everybody to stick around uh, as we both shared. That doesn't happen in chronic illness, Um, but you do need um, a couple of rock solid people behind you to support you. And if you don't have that through your own circle, um, thank gosh for the toxic mold support group online. Um, I That's always joke. Group. I always joke and call it the sexiest group on Facebook. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it's like of all the the groups I've ever joined or been a part of, toxic mold support has actually been the most helpful, and therefore it is the sexiest Facebook group out there. Um, but yeah, just get the support because it is there. You just have to find what form it's going to take for you. And um, while we chip away at some of the bigger things that need to happen to make change accessible for people and to not have people suffer um, or erode their savings or go into below the poverty line, um, if you didn't have savings in the first place, um, there's there's a lot of work to do. But I feel like today's conversation just opens it up, you know, and really helps people realise this happens to all sorts of different people, young guys in Tassie, yeah. middle-aged chicks in Sydney, <laughs> everything in between. Um, but if it's happening to people in, our, you know, people should not feel this bad and should no. not be made to feel this bad for this no. long without getting answers. That's what's going to change. And that's why I really appreciate you coming and joining me and sharing your story as well, Corbin. Thanks for letting me uh, tell my journey and my story. It's really exciting to be able to to share it everybody and lovely to finally be able to chat with you, Alex. It's yeah. very exciting. Awesome. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And I want to remind you that you can come join me on social, on Instagram, at Life or one word, or my personal Instagram, uh, at underscore Alex with two X's, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T. On Facebook, you can find us at Lotox Life uh, and, of course, lotoxlife.com. And if you want additional support and community around leading a Lotox Life, I can't recommend a better thing to do than to come join us at the Lotox Club for just $49 Australian per year which is about 29.30 US, about 27 euro and about 25 pounds, you get a stack of club member perks 
and the benefit of a beautiful private Facebook community. So check out the website, lowtoxlife.com, hit the explore tab and you'll see join the Lotox Club as your very first option there. I hope to see you in there. If not, I will see you in our wider community sometime soon. Thanks again for tuning in.